Well, good afternoon. Welcome to Lunch Hour with Renault. What's uh, up, guys? Great to be with you as always. We are back after taking a week off last week for an incredible Easter It was weekend. awesome. I hope many of you guys were able to join us for that. If you weren't, grab some time and podcast it. It was a ton of fun to be together here on Easter. Yeah, for so. sure. We have with us today Chris Willard. It's great to be here. And, uh, great to have you here. Really we're going to be uh, having a conversation today, continuing our, our series on spiritual disciplines. Uh, Today we are talking about the spiritual discipline of generosity, Mm. which is going to be a fun conversation. Uh, Chris joins us today because we met him a few years back as we were getting ready to step into uh, the Get Loud Generosity Initiative that uh, helped us uh, get into this space and and accomplish so many uh, of the things that God put before us uh, for the last few years. And so uh, Chris has been a really good friend to us. Uh, working with us over the years, and so uh, we thought it would be great to get uh, his input on this conversation because uh, of all the people that I know in ministry, Chris has a humongous heart uh, for seeing God's people handle God's resources in God's way uh, for God's glory. And so, uh, Chris, boy, that was really good. And I do think also I learned it from you. One okay, the, yeah. you go, baby. <laughs> one of the other things that I've that I've thoroughly enjoyed about um, getting to know you, Chris, and journeying with Chris is that um, in terms of understanding God's heart uh, in us being generous, that it's not about what God needs from us, it's actually about what we need from God, uh, that Chris understands that uh, in a way that I have uh, very rarely seen. And so we've enjoyed our journey with Chris, not just because he's helped us understand how to steward God's resources well here for the vision and mission that God gives us, but also understanding the heart of God's heart for generosity for us. Mm. And so I, I don't know anyone that's better suited to sit with us on a day like this to talk about generosity than, than Chris. That's so it's nice. great to have you here, Chris. Well, it's awesome to be here. And I have to tell you, I love this church. And I know I've already told you this. I li- uh, maybe, maybe people don't know, but I, of course, I live here in Orlando. Yep. And, you know, I have this thought that in every city, there are a few churches that you really pray for, that you really think... I may not even go to that church, but I want those guys to win, right? Absolutely. Because it's good for yeah. the town, right? And, right. and in, in Central Florida, there are a few of those, and I really, I've always felt like Mosaic was one of those well, churches. Yeah. I just think that there's ministry that you all do, people that you reach, um, messaging that you're really passionate about that is sort of unique for Central Florida. So anyway, all that to say... Any chance I get to hang out with you guys at Mosaic, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, we're grateful for the story that God has been unfolding here. Um, and you know, hey, this this opportunity for us to sit down and have this conversation today about the spiritual discipline uh, of generosity, I think, is going to be really dynamic. So, for those of you who are joining us today, we just want to say. Uh, hello to you. We've got some of our regulars. Uh, Yara's Yara, with us. I was about to say, yeah. Yara, I know you're on. No uh, doubt yeah. about it, yeah. 100%. Yeah, Lauren's with us. We've got John and April Gill. What's uh, up, guys? We've got Eddie from Brazil. Eddie. Eddie, miss you. My man. Love you. Can't wait to see you again. Um, we've got Stacy Moore. Stacy, we miss you. And Nora, hope you're doing well. Oh, my gosh, Stacy. Um, great Allison Bradley's with us. Pam Amaral. Oh, she's so great. Hope you're feeling um, better, Pam. Well, I guess I, I know you are. I talked to you yesterday, but <laughs> Pam was sick last week, and so she's better. Doing better. I saw her on Easter, so that's good. So Victoria Grace, uh, Michelle Sanderson, hello. Tell Don we said hi as well. Deb Burke is with us. Hey, Deb. 
So we have a we have a fun crew uh, to get awesome. started with this conversation. So it'll be a lot of fun together, guys. If you have any questions uh, as we get into this conversation, or just things you want to chime in with, please do that in the comment section. That would be great. Uh, but as we get started, so Chris, tell me just a little bit about what you do and how you became passionate about the spiritual discipline of generosity. Yeah, so I actually didn't grow up in the church. I Believe it or not, I met Jesus at the University of Massachusetts. Awesome. Which, wow, that's tough. Which a lot of people didn't even know God, he was there. That's a miracle. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know Jesus attended yeah. that. No, he, no, he, in fact, it was easy to find him because yeah, really. he stood out. Yeah. Let me tell you something. He was, it was, there was nobody like him at the, on that campus. And so I, so I became a believer in Jesus as a young man in college and got involved in a ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ, which, of course, is now called Crew. I've heard of them. Which is how I got to Orlando uh, 20-some years ago. Cool. So all of those years uh, really helped me to understand the idea of, you know, the ministry of asking, how, 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 how ministry is funded, how missionaries are funded, how people are invited to invest some of what God has entrusted to them into the kingdom. And that was a really great experience, and I loved it. Then I became an, a, a, a pastor here in Orlando. I worked as the executive pastor uh, at Discovery Church here awesome. in Orlando. Yeah, and then stuff. started doing consulting with churches on the whole topic of generosity and stewardship because we had really begun to learn at Discovery just some things that we, we had missed about how do you talk about generosity and stewardship? How do you do it in a way that isn't, as you were saying earlier, it isn't about what we want um, from people. It's what we want for them. Absolutely. Right? We talk about money and stewardship and giving because it's good for us to hear it. So yeah. I got into this because I just, um, in my own church life and in my own work, I saw a need for it. And then, you know, the Lord just continued to open up opportunities for me to work with some really great churches. And so it's fun for me. I, I, I feel very... Uh, enthusiastic about the fact that this topic is it's almost like the forgotten spiritual discipline mm-hmm. in some ways mm-hmm. yeah we yeah. right we we're, we're so focused as we should be on reading our bibles and praying and being in fellowship and using our spiritual gifts and a number of other things <laughs> right i think we need to recognize that stewardship and generosity is fundamental to spiritual formation so that's why i'm excited about it and you know it's interesting that you say that Chris, because I do think one of the the great joys about bringing generosity to the table here as a spiritual discipline, which I really believe, you said it well, it's a forgotten spiritual discipline, is because the spiritual disciplines, obviously, as we've often said here at Mosaic, they are works of intimacy. They are the things we get to participate Mm. in that create a greater intimacy between us and God. Mm. And so the point of a discipline is not to check a box. The point of a discipline is not to please God. The point of a discipline is not to do what's right. The point of a discipline is that it is something that we participate in that then creates a greater intimacy between us and God. And generosity is not often thought of in that category. Mm -hmm. It's something we do for God. It's something we do for the kingdom. It's something we we bring to the table. But actually, it's something he has gifted us with that we can participate in in a act of building greater intimacy with him, which is what we're going to talk about today. But before we jump into that, I just wanted to, you said two words together and you were just, and you just do it naturally because you know the two can't be separated, right. but you use the word stewardship yes. and the word generosity. Yeah. And I would just say this as we have journeyed into this, and Chris will get into this more as well, is 
Stewardship, obviously, is this baseline of the Christian life, right? The stewardship not only of our time and our life, our body, our relationships, our circumstances, but also our resources. Yeah, we did a whole series on We did on a whole steward- series on stewardship. Yeah. So stewardship is this idea that everything I'm given isn't actually mine. Mm. It's not my, none of it. I mean, literally, my circumstances, my relationships, my resources, they're not actually mine. They're actually God's. Yourself. And th- that's right, You've myself. You've been bought with a price. I, that's right. I don't even belong to me anymore. Right. He bought me, right? So my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I mean, all of it. It's, it's his. Now... Here's what I do. My job is to manage his resources, uh, his belongings, right. yeah. for his sake. And my privilege is that I get to manage it. Just like when I give money to a financial advisor, I don't go back to them a year from now and say, hey, I'd like you to do this with my money. And they go, oh, I can't. I used all your money to buy my house. <laughs> and you're like, what? You'd sue them. You'd be you like, would. you could that's not your money. Right. But that financial advisor does get an uh, income mm-hmm. from managing my money, but it's not his or her right. money, right? In the same way, it's not my stuff. So that's stewardship. Now, where generosity comes in is actually not, it's a part of stewardship, but it's this beautiful additional gift mm. that's a part of stewardship, it's, but it's on top of stewardship. Stewardship, I wouldn't call a discipline of the faith. Stewardship is what we're responsible to do huh. with everything that's God's. Yeah. But generosity is one of the things we get to do in our stewardship process that actually is this, this uh, elevation yeah. of stewardship that is a gift given to us that with our stewardship, when we are generous, that's a gift to us as a discipline for intimacy, which is what we're going to talk yeah. about a little bit. You know, and I think another way of thinking about that too, and not to overwork a metaphor, but if sure. you think about generosity and stewardship, you're, you're precisely right. They're not uh, synonyms. That's right. And this has been a problem, right. I think, in the church. We've sort, of, we've sort of substituted the word generosity for the old churchy word stewardship. Yep. And we need to, They're as you've same, well yeah. said, we need to reclaim the concept of stewardship because it's so essential yes. right. to Christianity. Uh, one way to think about this, and again, this may be overdoing a metaphor, but think about generosity and stewardship as two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. If I'm not a good steward... Right. Yep. I can't be generous. Absolutely. Right. You know why? Because I don't have any money. That's right. Or no plan to replace whatever I just gave away, right? Yes. Right. And if I'm only stewarding or managing or holding, then I'm really hoarding. I'm yes. building bigger barns. I'm not stewarding. No, I'm actually hoarding. precisely. Yeah. So, so these two things sort of go together in this beautiful... Um, a rhythm, I yeah. guess. One and, requires the other. And totally. It, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like generosity is not possible without good stewardship, but good stewardship must always include Inclu- generosity. Include generosity. That's so right. the two can't be separated, but they but are they're not different. the same thing. But they're not the That's same right. thing. Right. And, and the great. discipline, the spiritual discipline is this generosity yeah. that is like, I get to do this just yeah. like I get to pray or I get to study scripture right. or I get to be silent or uh, have solitude because it's going to create a space for greater intimacy with God. Uh, and, and we'll talk about how generosity actually does that. Yeah. So that makes me think about, you know, when, when you look at the teaching of Jesus in the New Testament, right? Um, Jesus is teaching about what the kingdom of God is about and what it's like. And he keeps using money as an illustration over and over Mm. and over again. And, you know, where we've defined stewardship more broadly than money and even generosity more broadly than financial giving, certainly it's included in that. So... And you know, primary when, to it in many ways. Right. When you're talking about those words, it's dealing with our resources. Right. So, right. Chris, like, what, you know, as you studied stewardship, as you've studied generosity, why do you think it is that Jesus has taught 
so much on money in the New Testament. What, like, what yeah. do you think that is all about? It's a great question. So uh, here's the first way I would answer that is here's uh, the reason he um, talks about money so much is not because money matters to him. That's good. I'm, right? I mean, it can't sure. be because God cares about money. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, right? Because he owns all the cattle on a thousand yeah, Money is this. He's this, good, right? Money is the this entire universe in the palm of the, his the hand. The earth is the, the Lord's and account. all the yeah. fullness thereof. Yeah, that's right. right. Like when you own the galaxy, you're not worried about, you know, the, the gold, the silver, or, so, or the money in a bank account. Yeah. Right? Okay, so that can't be the reason. Yeah. So perhaps the reason that he speaks so much about money, and by the way, you can't read, for example, Matthew 6, the Sermon on the, on the Mount, without realizing he's talking about money. Yeah. yeah, He's talking about money and possessions. He's not talking about being generous with your attitude, although that's important, yeah. or with your time, although that's important. He's talking about money. It has to be because he knew that these things would matter to us. Mm. Yeah. And there's a clue in that same passage in Matthew 6 because he says, you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. That's true. So I think what yeah. he's saying, why, why, why is he so fixated or so enthusiastic about talking to us about money? It's because he knows that money will compete for our affection, for our attention, for our devotion. Uh, we'll put our security in money. We'll put our hope in money. We'll put our faith in money where, where we should be putting our hope, our faith, our security in him. Yeah. So... Uh, money is that thing that buys the stuff that competes with God. Yep. And God, um, he doesn't like competition. Yep, so, do, right. so does that mean money is bad? Well, no, uh, clearly not, because with, with money, we can, we, can, we can serve others. With money, we can advance the kingdom. With money, we can... It's not, money is not the problem, right? What does the scripture say? The love of money mm. is the root of all evil right not so, money itself. so money is it's a tool it's a neutral right yep. it can yeah. be used to build hospitals or buy um, sports cars or, and become idols yep. or or to you know pay for someone to be murdered i mean yeah. you yeah. can use money for all kinds and, of things and right? you can also use it to bless your family you can also use it to provide a safe and comfortable place to live you can use it to take your wife and your children uh, on vacation to yep. enjoy creation and, and enjoy or, what it is that god has given to you so so let's be careful not to suggest that somehow uh, it's not okay to enjoy the resources that God has entrusted to us. First Timothy 6 tells us that all of these things are for our enjoyment. Yeah, mm. that's right. Um, but, but we are stewards. That's right. What is God about? God is about the fulfillment of the Great Commission. God is about the, the, the work of the kingdom. So we should be using our money. Yeah. to accomplish the things that God And there's had. a very big difference between enjoying the fruit of the provision yeah. of God and pos- being possessed by totally. or possessing the, 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 the resources. And I think money, in part, that's part of the, what you've just been saying, is money can give us what only God should, mm-hmm. security, safety, protection. Right. We can feel very quickly that if I have enough money stored away, then I'm safe. If I have enough money stored away, then I'm secure. Yep. And, and I think that's why he's constantly saying, money doesn't only buy you the things that replace me. Money is the thing that replaces yeah, me right. if you're not careful yeah. by storing it or hoarding yeah. it. Yeah, and God has always you know, revealed himself even from the very beginning with Adam and Eve. He placed them in the garden and he said, look, I've already provided for you everything that you need. Yep. There's nothing you need besides what I've provided. There is this tree 
and the, the enemy comes in and says, hey, God hasn't actually given you everything he, he needs. He's not truly yeah. your Jehovah Jireh. You need to go find your provision in your own knowledge. That's in, right. In, in That's all right. of those That's things. Right. And so, you know, the, the temptation of mankind has always been to find our provision and, and our, our fulfillment in things other than God and worship the creation rather than the, right. the creation. And this is where the gift of generosity from God to us, not the gift of generosity from us to God. Mm. The gift of generosity, as it starts relating as a discipline of the faith, it begins here. It doesn't end here, but it begins here. If my greatest uh, danger with this neutral thing called money is that I will tie my security to it and tie my safety to it, and it will buy me the stuff that will fulfill my soul, then the way that I actually combat the realities of what money could become for me and remind my soul constantly that God is my provision and God is my safety and God is my mm. delight, not what the money buys or what the money is, then you would begin to realize, how do I protect my soul from that? And one of the gifts is God beginning by saying, the resources I give you have to start with generosity. They have to start with a giving away, not a keeping. They have to start with a releasing, not a holding. Because if they start there, then that's the first reminder to your soul of who your intimacy so should tie to. So generosity at its, in, at its beginning becomes first and foremost a discipline of freedom. I'm going to keep you free from being possessed by money or possessing money by telling you that you start with generosity. So good. And so generosity has many aspects, but it's very first as this. It is your freedom for your soul by making sure you remind your soul in the giving process constantly, my safety, my security, my well-being, my enjoyment is not found exclusively, primarily, or even fully in money. It's found in God. And to tell my soul that every day is gonna be this. It's yours first. It's yours first. And their generosity is born. Not, not ended, but born. And that's such a great way of unpacking or understanding the, the really important teaching behind the concept of giving, yeah. right? We give first to the Lord, yep. right? Yep. We give first. The, the, if you want to, th you think about the biblical concept of tithing. Tithing is often thought of, you've got to give 10%. The most important principle in the concept of tithing is not that it's 10%, but it's first. Mm -hmm. It's first it's and it bites a bit. It's, it's priority. It's sacrificial. Right. It's, because it has to teach you. Precisely. So it really is an important... Yeah. There is something that happens on the inside of me when I follow God in this area of generosity. Mm. It isn't just that, and it's really kind of cool that... When I give to the kingdom, good things happen out there. That's awesome. Yeah. Right? When you give here at Mosaic, you're making an investment in children's ministry, student ministry, worship, discipleship, local and global outreach. Great things are happening. That's amazing. And at the same time, something's happening on the inside of, our, mm. of us yeah. when we give. That is, you can't measure it, but it's real. Yeah. And I think that's what, what God is after most. Yeah. So... Um, we're, we're having a conversation about spiritual disciplines, and we're talking about generosity today. So we're talking about the spiritual discipline of generosity, which I think, you know, Renaud mentioned earlier, it is one of the forgotten disciplines of the faith. Um, and we've been talking about this idea that God is uh, after our hearts, and that generosity is one of the ways that we can teach our hearts to remember 
the truth that he is our provision. And so uh, Chris Willard is with us. If you're just joining us, a longtime friend of ours uh, who's really shaped our thoughts on generosity. And, um, you know, before we jump in, I do have another question for you I want to I ask. But before we jump into that, Renaud, you know, in the early days of Mosaic, I remember coming to Mosaic and just being blown away at kind of the attitude, the general attitude about giving and, and money and that, you know, we didn't pass a plate and it was never a, a random act of obligation, but it was a spiritual act of worship. But in the earlier days, we really didn't teach much about finances, sure. generosity, stewardship. Uh, when we talked about it, it was more about stewarding our lives, less about our finances. But over the last few years, I've definitely seen a shift in your willingness to teach uh, on giving and on generosity and, and what that means. What was that shift for you? How sure. did that kind of become a, a part of your uh, your pastoral yeah, um, yeah. influence? At That's a great question. You know? I think I, I, will, I will say this to, to start answering that question. There is a small part of that that was just tied to my own dysfunction in this sense that um, mm. I very much... Uh, wanted to stay away from anything that would cause people to think wrong, uh, think of our motives wrongly. So in other words, anything that we would have to teach on that you might perceive we had motives other than making the gospel beautiful and exalting Christ, I got nervous, mm -hmm. right? right? And so then I'm like, if we teach about money, they all are going to think we're just doing it because we need money, but we really don't want them to think that. So guess what the solution is? Don't teach about right. money. So there was a little part of it that was that. I just want to like be vulnerable and admit that there's a part of that that was just my own personal fears of you thinking wrong motives as the congregant of this church and of my heart. But I think that was a small part, really a, a small part. The big reason that I, that I didn't do that early on and started doing that more now later on, is that I really felt very, very strongly that we wanted to make sure that generosity would be born in this place over time as an act of worship, a spiritual discipline, fulfilling all of the things we've already talked about, a way that what happens in us is as big as what happens with the money we give, right. you know, all that. And I knew that unless we unless we gave our people the chance to mature into that and understand God's heart for them, understand the gospel, understand that God doesn't need our money, understand that actually God loves us first, we couldn't sort of tap into that space that does tap into spaces of security and spaces of fear and could become obligatory very quickly. Mm, sure. Yeah. And so I wanted to, one, make sure that the entire attitude of Mosaic was this has to be a spiritual act of worship not in uh, a random act of guilt. This also has to be something you have the freedom to deal with God on. So the whole 10% and all that, I mean, honestly, as I step into the New Testament, there's some great principles out of the Old sure. Testament. And the New Testament sort of would say, this is a good starting point principle-wise, but you can study the New Testament and it doesn't give us this, this non-negotiable, like the Old Testament did, tithe does this way. It, it says first, it says sacrificial, it says lots of yeah, things. Yeah, it actually probably it, it elevates. It actually <laughs> elevates it. But it elevates right. it by giving us freedom to say, yeah. if I'm a single mom trying to put food on the table and 10% sinks me, God gives me the freedom to do 2% because that's more sacrificial, sacrificial. but what else might? Like, Cheerful. She, I don't know that she was giving 10% or 100%. We don't know. What we know is that it was a giant 
big thing. The, there's people that would give 10% of their income and they wouldn't even blink at yeah. it. And I would say the 10% means nothing then. The point is sometimes 1% means a tremendous amount, sometimes 93% means a tremendous amount, right? So we wanted to establish the sense of this is not about a, a checkbox. This is not about fulfilling an obligation. This is not about getting your 10% done and then feeling proud of yourself. Why? Because tithing and generosity is not about what you do for God. It's what God is doing for mm. you. So one, to teach these kinds of deeper things, you need mature, maturity in other things first. So I wanted to give time for that. Two, I wanted to make sure that by the time we start teaching about tithing, generosity, these kinds of things, that the gospel was well established already. And that can take years, not days. Yeah. So there was the sense, just like someone walks in our doors, and every person that walks in the doors of this church, including myself, we come in with some baggage, we come in with some stuff we're struggling in. I don't roll up to you and go, can I ask you a few quick questions about whether you're doing these things? Yeah, and if right. we are, let's deal with those. And then we can talk about the gospel. I'm like, dude, it might be years before we deal with some areas that God's convicting yeah. in your life. Tithing and money has been so abused and so misused in the church. And look, let's just be honest. It turns lights on, right? So I also wanted to make sure for us. Now, this is about us. This isn't about the congregants anymore. I need to believe that God's provision for this church is from God, not from the congregants. That's good. And I will tell you, we do not believe that. And here's how I know we don't believe that as a leadership often is we say God's going to provide and then we come up with 19 strategies to help emotionally move the congregants to give more. Now, I'm not suggesting that stewardship shouldn't have strategy, but I am suggesting this. We often use strategy of getting people to give over trust and, 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 and surrender to God providing what we need. And I needed my own soul to spend some time the first few years to say, if God's going to provide for this church, I need to know it was him. So we're going to put some boxes in the back, and if people give, they give, and if they don't, they don't. God will have to move in their hearts. Now, I'm not suggesting that's the only strategy or the best strategy long haul. That's why things have changed. I am responsible as a pastor to teach on stewardship, generosity, giving, just as responsible as I am to teach on prayer, right. on solitude, on evangelism, and that's anything right. else, because that is part of our call, and frankly, it's a gift from God. Why right. wouldn't I? but I did need the church to mature. Well, guess what? We did mature. Yeah. We did grow. The gospel became richer. Yeah. And once it did, guess what I felt the freedom to do? I felt the freedom to start teaching on things that were a little bit more tricky because there are some potential for misunderstanding. Here's the last piece of that answer. We needed to earn the right to be heard. Yeah. We were a brand new church. We're only 16-year-olds year olds now. We were a brand new church. And I didn't want our out-the-gates reputation to be man, we're constantly getting to the money piece because mm. at the end of the day, we need the lights turned on and we need salaries paid. Right. I wanted to say, no, we trust God for that. And now that we've spent 10 years giving our money away more than keeping it, if you have a wrong motive of us, you just don't know us very well. You haven't been around long because all the people that have have seen what we've done. We have a track record of being generous ourselves as mm -hmm. an organization. So now I can unapologetically say, I'm not telling you what we feel about money. I've shown you for 10 years. So now if you say, you just want our money, I can say, not at all. Look at our 10-year track record. If that's what we're doing with wanting your money, then we're idiots, right? <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. those were some of the reasons why we do it's now good. teach unapologetically on it, because it is a discipline of the faith that's good for us and moves kingdom realities, but we didn't early on. Mm. Yeah, what I like about what you just did there is you were sort of 
descriptive about this, was, this is our story. Yeah. This is what we did. And I know you well enough to know that you're not suggesting every church has to handle it the way you did. Not at all. But this is the story of Mosaic. And I think it's part of the reason why you're able to have the kind of conversations that you can now with your congregation about generosity and stewardship because there has been a lot of energy and effort and thoughtfulness invested here in how to teach what the scriptures say about yep. those very important issues. Yep. And I think long-term, that always pays off for me as a disciple and for us as a church. And for us as a leadership. Yeah. Because yeah. It, now we're in a place where we do trust God for provision, yeah, not our good. people. And we trust God to move in our people and us to be generous for ourselves and our own well-being and our intimacy with God, as well as for the expansion of his kingdom and being participants in yeah. that, which is a whole, whole nother piece of beauty and generosity. So you mentioned one of, you know, one of your hesitancies in teaching on giving is the idea that people might misperceive your motives or our motives as, as a leadership. What are some of the things that you've seen, because you have much more of a connection to the greater body of Christ than just Mosaic's story, what are some barriers that you have seen in the lives of individuals when it comes to generosity? What, what, is, what, yeah. what is keeping the church in America from being the generous people that God is calling them to be? Mm. I think there, let's think about this. There's probably several things, many things, right? But I think two things come to mind. Um, and the first one is a little bit awkward to talk about. But frankly, it's, I think, important and I think we just want more and better stuff as individuals. I don't want to, I, I think the Bible calls it greed. It feels like a very ugly word. But really, it's. But a, it's in the Bible all over the place. It is, bro. It's all over the place. And I do think that American, American Christians are often uh, trapped in this uh, kind of American dream of, right, of buying more stuff, getting more stuff. Uh, owning better stuff, trading in stuff that's perfectly good for newer stuff that costs more. All of that goes to the stuff, we, the things we were saying earlier about iPhone how... iPhone 6, iPhone bro, 7, iPhone 8. Bro, how is it possible that we have allowed <laughs> Apple to tell us that a phone should cost $1,000? How, how did we let that happen? Like, what, where, where have we been, right? It doesn't cost $1,000. Anyway, I'm I, 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 I know. I really so, so there is that. And I, and, I, and I think the best way to address that is for us as brothers and sisters in Christ to sort of call it out when we see it. In, a, in an appropriate, I love you and I know you're, you're one of the good guys, but I'm seeing this. Yeah. Because wagging a finger and telling people to stop doing it is not a good strategy. Yeah. But every now and then I need a brother or, or a sister in Christ to come up to me and say, hey, it looks, what I see is you're sort of managing God's resources in a way that is, is good for you, not for God. Yeah. And, uh, and I just want to say one thing to that, Chris, because I do think, um, in our culture, this is a tricky space in this sense. Mm -hmm. We all are in different spaces in that resource reality, yeah. how many resources right. we have. And then we become judgmental, projecting oh, right. our own space onto other people's spaces. So for example, we joke about the iPhone, right? And so automatically then, the next step is this. If you have an iPhone 10, you suck. You're, you're you bad must steward. Not you must Christian. be greedy. <laughs> and, or you drive a nicer right. car than I do. Right. But here's what I've often yeah. found. I've often found that the reality of greed, in other words, this drivenness of needing the next better thing, right. is as equally found in someone that has very little resource as it can be found in someone totally. that has a ton of resource. Or vice versa, the lack of greed 
can be equally present in either lots of resource or no resource. What car you drive doesn't make you either greedy or not right. greedy. So here's what I've yeah, often someone found. With someone with an iPhone 8 could be way more greedy for new resources than someone sure. yeah, or who someone that drives into 10. the parking lot in an old car, but they bought that car on debt and they couldn't afford that car because they didn't want to buy the $2,000 car, so they bought the $6,000 car. Right. But the guy that drives in with a brand new car is actually giving 90% of his income away. And paid cash and for paid the car. And paid cash for the car. Hello. Stewarding his money Amen. really well and isn't greedy at all. Right. And so the, the problem with this is what we need to be looking for is the attitude of greed. And it resides in all of us. Right. It right. resides in all of us. Yeah. Not decide what thing equates greed versus what That's thing so doesn't. Good. Because a poverty theology says... The cheaper the, the junk is that you buy, the more spiritual you must be. And no, I'm like, not that's right. not true at all. No. Actually, a lot of people equate their, their very pride in the smallest house they live in. And 100%. then that's actually a version of greed itself. Sure. It's, so, yeah. All that just to say. The, the heart is wicked and it's deceptive and it is an idle factory and it will do things all yeah. over the place. And to your point then, one yeah. of the obstacles to generosity is greed. Yeah. It's in whatever version we find ourselves in. I need to hold my yeah. money, or I need to uh, I need to buy what I can't afford because I want to be a little bit better. And and I think perhaps the second thing that comes to mind when you think about an obstacle to generosity, and it may I think it's related to this. At least it can be. I think it's fear. Mm. I think I think there's a sense of releasing all of the resources that God has entrusted to me, holding them with an open hand, and saying, God, I trust you. I trust you. Is is a is a brave thing to do. It yeah. is a brave thing, and it, not it, with ten percent, right? With everything, twenty percent, but with all of it, right? Saying I, this is not mine, this right. is yours, and then it's all on the table at that point. So sometimes when I am when I am sensing a, a, a lack of willingness to give, a, a kind of a puckering up when it comes to generosity. Often what's going on on the inside of me is I'm afraid. Yep. I'm feeling afraid. I'm feeling exposed. I'm feeling at risk. I, maybe my security has been too focused on my stuff instead of on my Savior. And so I need, I need to break through that. I loved, by the way, during the Get Loud initiative, the, we, you, know, you created a sort of a pathway for people to think about their giving. What's the next step that God wants you to take? And one of the steps, I think it was the last one that the you last described, one, yeah. was what does it look like? What would it look like for you to be a fearless giver? To me, that was so brilliant because it was such a, it's, it's just there. We just, we get, we get afraid that we won't have enough. We won't be taken care of. And so we hold on when God says, if you've got me, You've got everything you need. Yeah. So I think those are a couple of things. And, and, and I, go ahead, Joel. Well, I just, I, you know, I just have a question. So if I were a person who were hearing everything you were saying, and I'm not weighing maybe everything else the Scripture teaches about life and wisdom right. and, and all that, I mean, is it then the call of God on everyone's life to go and, and give it all away, like the widows might, you know, give it all away, sell everything we have, give it to the poor, and then follow Jesus. Is that God's call on everyone's life? What does that look like? You know, do you, how do you weigh that versus you know, other priorities in life, like caring for the needs mm-hmm. of your family sure. or whatever that may be? Well, I'll tell you what. I, I actually think that normal Christianity looks like recognizing everything I have has come from God, 
recognizing that, you know, as Timothy says, I have a responsibility to provide for my family. Um, and as, as Paul says to Timothy, I get to, I get to, um, I get to enjoy a, a, a portion of what God has entrusted me. First Timothy six, right? Having said all of that, normal Christianity should look like, Lord, this is how much I think I need to meet my obligation to care for my family, to be a responsible person. I want to give everything else away. Hmm. And, and it sort of starts with recognizing, first, it's all yours already. Yeah. Yep. And then I, but I believe that it's, it's wise for me to spend this portion of it to care for myself and for my family. The rest of it, I think, needs to go. And, and I would say this, to answer your question, and this is a change in me over the last maybe year or so that I'm still processing, so I'm going to kind of throw this on the table, and I'm just, this is not This, this is a live discussion. Here we go. Here it is, right? I actually think that it is the call of every follower of Christ to give it all away. Mm-hmm. But what that means is different than one might think. I think the starting point of true generosity is fearless trust in God, and that means this. All my resources are legitimately yours. Like we say that, like, Lord, it's all yours <laughs> except the mortgage payment, right? right? But, but I, to actually start with, now I'm giving it all away. I possess none of it. And then to actually say, do I get to enjoy it? Sure I do. Unless you in this particular case don't need me to enjoy this right now. You need me to, do I get to provide for my family? Of course I need to. But except sometimes God might say, this time I just want you to do it all here. Mm-hmm. In other words, if I'm, if I'm enjoying a portion of it, if I'm providing for my family, if I'm giving it away to a, to a global reality, if I'm using, I'm doing that yeah. because it started with this. God, today, what, what is it you want me to plan for this year? And it's always negotiable. I'm going to put a plan in place. I'm going to run it that way. Because here's what we actually do. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep what is responsible to keep for all the necessary things. But we have a Western version of that. Retirement. Yeah. And uh, my kids need the best education. Uh, you know, if, if possible, like the be- and so we've we've got a system now, and so by the time we've actually created that system of what provision for my family looks like, it's ninety seven point eight percent. No, no, it's actually one hundred ninety three percent of my income. So now I actually need a credit card to fulfill the provision for my family. So I would argue, I think the starting point is, it's not yours, none of it, it's his. How do we even mentally and spiritually and emotionally get there? And I think that's the first spiritual journey, if this is going to be a true discipline. And then we go, now, how do I get equipped to manage that in a way that actually fulfills what I've said? It's yours. And I would say in that sense, I agree with you that greed and then fear are the things that produce the mess in the first place. The mess that's produced, I would say, is this, debt and ill-equipped to manage money, right? right? And those are, those are consequences of greed and fear. But the problem is most of American Western Christians are now already in debt and already don't have a clue how to manage their money. So even if they said it's all yours, God, they have no idea what to do with that. You know, that which reminds me too, it feels like, and this we don't often do in the church, but in light of what you just said, it seems to me perfectly appropriate and smart for a church to teach stewardship. Yeah. Like where else are you going to learn it? Because stewardship, as you said, is such an important part of the Christian life, yeah. the, the reason so many of us are in debt, upside down, don't, is because no one has really honestly ever taught us how to manage resources that's well. That's right. That's right. So when I would just say, you know, when you have an opportunity to learn from somebody who, who 
really understands these principles, loves God, and, and sees this sort of from a biblical point of view, take advantage of that. Learn it. Right? That's right. And so now, here's the beauty of this. If I start understanding generosity as a discipline of the faith that is going to enhance my intimacy with God through reminding my soul mm-hmm. that my resources are not my safety, but God is, and it allows me to participate in God's redemptive work in what he's doing, then it also means generosity doesn't have necessarily a number or percentage to it. Right. It's an act of exactly. worship. It's me going, I may not have enough right now, but I'm going to give. So I, I, I know that in America and the Western culture, so often because of greed and because of fear and because of being ill-equipped, we end up in debt or we end up being bad managers of our money. Now we suddenly come to a place where, man, we, we try to get, we, we want to mature out of greed and fear, but we're already in debt and don't know how to manage our money then the church's responsibility is to equip us to manage our money and get out of debt. But while we're doing that, generosity can already start because it's, remember, it's not a a dollar amount or a percentage, it's an active soul. Here's the trouble. If we don't take care of greed and fear, I can teach you all day long about management and debt reduction, but greed and fear will keep adding to that. That's good. Because that... that's the symptom. That's the symptom. These are the, the hard These are the hard issues. Yeah. But the trouble is if I deal with the hard issues and I solve that, but I don't help exactly. you do this. Yeah. Now you're in shame and guilt because you're like, I wish I knew this when I was 19 because then I wouldn't have got myself in this mess. Or but you're now saying, I God, I really want to be I a want good steward. To, but I just I don't can't. know how. Yeah. So the church has to deal with both. Right. Guys, we can't be greedy and fearful anymore, but we also have to help you manage and get out of debt. I sent That's so good. Something to but no, it's so good because I, I wish I, I've seen so many um, wonderfully pastors with such a great heart inspire people, call them, cast a vision for how God wants you to invest your resources in the work of the kingdom. And it's a compelling vision, something to do that would be worth doing. And then that person from church goes home to their kitchen table, sits yep. there and looks at their spouse and says, well, well, we're so upside down financially. We're so screwed up financially. We couldn't say yes to this if we wanted to. And, as, and then, as you said, it produces shame and yeah. guilt and discouragement. It doesn't inspire me to get fixed. It sort of just bums me out. So, it's, so, it's, so we got to talk about both, generosity and stewardship. That's sort of where we started this yeah. conversation. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, and if, and if that's you, if that's the space that you're in, if you're listening into this and, and you're sitting in a spot going, man, I'd love to be generous, but I'm looking, I'm looking at my finances and, and I'm not sure how I'm going right. to make it, you know, another month. Um, if that's you, man, I really would encourage you to, to jump into one of the classes that we offer here, um, you know, equipping classes like, um, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. There are other classes like Compass. Right, great um, stuff. You know, great stuff that will teach you the 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 heart stuff that Renault was describing. That that kind of walk walk you out of things like greed and um, fear, and and then step you into some of the practicals of how do I actually okay let's let's look at this whole budget really and good. figure figure out how we're going to move the needle forward so that we can we can begin to implement. Um, you know, rhythms of generosity That's in right. our lives. And I would say generosity is a discipline. So yeah. now, remember, we're coming back to this discipline of the faith. Yeah. Generosity is not actually about God needing our money, but right. about what it does for us. The, gener- the discipline of generosity can start the second greed and fear starts eliminating. doesn't matter if you're in debt or not or whatever. It can start there. And sometimes Meaning, generosity helps us eradicate. That's right. right. So I would argue... A starting point is never, I can't be generous because I'm in debt or I can't. Excellent. Generous, generosity is an act of fearless, 
decision to say, I trust God with my future, not my money. So if I'm in debt, I can start being generous. Now, what generosity looks like for you if you're in debt and all that is going to be very different than someone who stewarded their money really well for 20 years, right? Yeah, totally. But it has, generosity is not the money amount. It is the act. So for someone who's saying, I'm upside down in debt, I don't make ends meet as it is, I can't, I can't I would argue two things. You need lots of equipping so that you can become a greater participant in generosity and a greater steward. But the starting point is saying, I'm going to teach my heart to eliminate fear and guilt. I mean, feel fear and greed by doing this. I got to start being generous mm. with what I've got somehow. Go get some help from someone who, who can help you know what that even means. And then if that's where you stop, your generosity will always be limited to this upside down, inside out, like I, I, I wish I could do more, but I can't. That's where the equipping happens. If you do both, here's where you end up 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years so from now. So good. Generous from a heart perspective, but also generous in a greater amount because you've been equipped and you managed. So that, that speaks to something Leslie Aziz just chimed in. And hello, Leslie. What's Thank up, you. Leslie? Leslie. I, Thank know, I know Leslie Aziz. They're uh, Hap and Leslie. They're Hap amazing. and Leslie, good to, yeah, good to see you. Yeah, so they, they're great. So Leslie says, in my experience, when there is teaching on stewardship from church leaders, it has been with a view to financial freedom, but not with the end goal of being financially free to give God all. I think if stewardship is taught with that as the goal, then human hearts will listen. Otherwise, Christian stewardship seems like part of the American dream. Now, mm. what that what so that. profound, and That's I love well said. I love that. And and so, what damage have you seen uh, in the church with bad teaching on money? And how that plays into that, in, yeah. into generosity, the whole uh, prosperity movement, and all oh, of yeah. that. So maybe speak to that just a little bit well, because well, that's the yeah. sour taste I have in my yeah. mouth. Well, the uh, first thing I would up. say too about this is that you know I I often hear people criticize Dave Ramsey for you know all that Dave does is talk about getting out of debt. He doesn't talk about you know giving to the kingdom and all. And I'm thinking, which is not true. I'm thinking that's, it isn't. First right. of all, it's not true. Right. But secondly. To the extent that is that it is somewhat true, let's keep in mind Dave's Dave's promise is I'm going to help you get out of debt. Dave, <laughs> right? Dave's not the pastor of this church. You are, right? His his responsibility is not to teach us that whole piece. He's trying to help people manage their money well. Yeah. Now I think Compass, what Howard Dayton has done with the Compass curriculum, is is a little bit more holistic, and I really really like it. But. I do think the church needs to take responsibility for helping people understand we manage money wisely and well so that we can honor God, so that we can invest in the kingdom because it's, it's as we've said, spiritual discipline. So I think that's an important principle. Yeah. I also think it's interesting, you know, Leslie was talking about what, what the motive is behind the way pastors or churches talk about money. Often, the only time we talk about money in the church is when we need money from the church. Yep. Yeah. So I like to call that the sermon on the amount. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> it's right? sermon on the amount. Right? So it's yeah. basically it's basically I'm stealing that. Right. <laughs> pastors talking about money. Hey, open your Bibles to Malachi chapter three, and you're sitting there thinking, wait right. for it, yeah. wait for it. Here right. it comes. Whammo. Yeah. We've got an ask. So that's just a total miss. Right? We've got to recognize this is, as you've said, this is part of spiritual formation. Right. This is a spiritual a discipleship discipline. Issue. We talk yeah. about it because of what it's going to do on the inside of us. Um, so I, I do think that you know, this, is a, this is an important issue. We need to lean toward it, not away from it. One of the things I really appreciate about what you guys are doing here is that you're making this not the issue. 
It's not the most important issue. It's an important issue. Yeah. And I, I, I often think that when I work with a, a church, I'll, I'll sometimes tell a pastor, tell me what you think about this. I'll sometimes tell a pastor, listen, if you do this well over the next several months, it is possible that you're going to hear from some people in your congregation, hey, pastor, it seems like we talk about money around here more than we used to. And when that happens, my encouragement to the pastor is always to say something like, I'm so glad you noticed that. Yep. I'm so glad you picked up on that. You know, the Bible says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm your pastor, and I really care about your heart. I'm really glad you picked up on that. Instead of saying something like, well, you know, we're in a campaign, and we're trying to raise money. See, that's just the wrong reason. Right. So, um, and I think the trouble is, I, I think, and, I, and I, love, I love what you're saying there, the trouble is that more often than not, the real reason that the pastor mm-hmm. is talking yeah. about money is because they need money. And, and that, I think that's where the trouble begins, right? Yeah. If our heart as a church leadership is that we understand generosity as a discipline of the faith, right. and we understand stewardship as a beautiful freedom God has given us to participate in the kingdom, then we will teach it from that perspective. If we understand it as a strategy to be able to get more money from our people, then we will teach it wrong. So many of the churches that I really admire, the, the ministry leaders that I really admire, totally get that. The guys that I've had a chance to work with over the years, they, it's, man, it is not what I can get from you. Generous churches are led by generous leaders, right? You, you got to be on this journey if you're going to call people to, to sort of journey with you. And I think that's, that's just fundamental. Yeah, that's really cool. I can tell stories about Mosaic story and, and generosity. But um, it is almost time for us to wrap up our conversation. The time has flown by today. Mm-hmm. But um, before we do, just one thing I think somebody mentioned that I think is really helpful um, you know, for us to, to recognize, um, and, and you, might, you might really enjoy this. So Lulu Noel says, um, how do we adopt a mindset of generosity? It all belongs to God to begin with. So is it, is it true that it is returning and not giving? If it never belonged to us to, be, to begin with, how do we switch to that approach? Yeah. So that idea of, you know, the, 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 the term is giving, so people a lot, of, a lot of times think of it as this is mine and I'm giving it to God or I'm giving it to someone else versus I'm just returning it to who it belongs to mm-hmm. anyway. It's an interesting Yeah, thought. well, words matter. Yeah. Right? Words create worlds. Words are important. Uh, a steward does have the the privilege of managing the yeah. resources that have yeah. been entrusted to her or him. So uh, it, it it does, and I think it's reasonable to say that the steward is giving. Right, because it all belongs to God, but right. God's entrusted an, an right. amount to right. us to steward. But the portion, the but the, the heart behind that great question really is good, isn't it? Yes, it is. That, listen, because it, what, what she's suggesting is, Never forget, never forget, it all belongs to God. Yes. Yeah. Never yeah. forget, yes. everything is God's. Yeah. And that, I think that principle is really, that's pretty helpful, yeah. isn't it? I've been given the resources to manage, not possess. Right. Yeah. So they are mine to manage, which means that when I give them to kingdom endeavors, I am managing, managing them in a way that both allows participation in God's story for his mm-hmm. kingdom and teaches my soul. Right. But at the same time, the second I possess them, then I'm not managing mm-hmm. them anymore. Now I'm giving in the way that you beautifully said right. we shouldn't give. Right, right. It's good. I'm not giving to God 
from my, my generosity. And I think that that's why the, the, the core to mm. this being a spiritual discipline versus a, either an obligation or a spiritual uh, star, gold star, is yeah. this. I am not giving to God for God. Uh, God is letting me give to him for me. So good. There is a very right. big difference to my giving is for God versus my giving is a gift from God for me. Mm-hmm. And that's what changes it from a spiritual discipline to either an obligation or a spiritual gold star. That's great. So a uh, couple other real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so a clarity that um, it would be great for you to bring to the table. So Deborah Burke asked a great question um, do you think that generosity cannot also mean time? Because um, you, you talked about the yeah. idea of generosity with our time and all those things. Is it exclusively about money? Yeah. And can you kind of unpack that? So clearly, it, we can have a generous attitude with regard to a number of things. Our time, our talent, our attitudes, a generous spirit of forgiveness when someone has wronged you. However... When we use language like that, because as I said a moment ago, words matter and words create worlds. For example, when we say God wants us to be generous with our time, talent, and treasure, what we've just done there is essentially, I believe, given someone an excuse for not being generous with their money. People, because they yes. can say, you know, two out of three is pretty good. Right? Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, people usually change and for or. Or. And, yeah. and that's the key. Right. Yeah. It's not an or. Yeah. And so we, we have it. a word for generosity of time. It's called service, servanthood. Yeah. We have a, we have a, you have a strategy here at your church to mobilize people to use their gifts. Right. So we don't need to conflate that with this other very important issue. The heart behind that question is a really good heart. And I totally embrace what she's saying about how we should have a generous attitude toward, toward a number of, of it. However, not just money. However, right. it is, you read Matthew chapter 6. The passage is about money. Right. And it's really, it's really important for us to recognize that it's okay for us to have frank conversations with one another about what are you doing with the financial resources that God has entrusted to you. So it would be fair to say to the person who has lots of financial resources, hey, God is also asking you to be generous with your time. Sure. Yep. And it would be also okay to say to someone who's not being generous with their money to say, hey, you may be the most servant-hearted person, and you may be giving tons of time and tons of energy and tons of talent mm-hmm. to the kingdom, yeah. but God's also asking you to give of your financial yeah. resources. And I, and I would say this, that from a spiritual discipline standpoint, which is the context of this conversation, right? right? Why, we, we, we said at one point in this conversation, God talks about money a ton because money tends to be that thing that possesses our hearts, right. gives us security, freedom, etc. Yeah. Our time doesn't necessarily play that same role same. in our life. Right. Our talents, sometimes for some, but not for most of us. For most of us, our security is not in those things. Our security is in our resources. So I think from a spiritual discipline standpoint, it's generosity good. with our resources gifts us with that. That's why tithing wasn't about time. Tithing was about the harvest of your field, exactly. your money, right. uh, your resources. So I would say this. I love that it's not or but and. And I love that often when we say that, we're really meaning, I'm generous with these things, but not with that one. Yeah. That's not okay. No. But I do think in the context of a spiritual discipline, it really does come back to that resource category. Make sure that one you're generous with. You know, it's funny. I, of course the Lord wants us to give and serve. No doubt. Have you ever heard somebody say, it's easier for me to write a check than it is to spend an hour? Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, my, my normal response to that is you're probably not writing the check that you should be writing then. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because if it's easy, it's probably not what God is calling you to do. Yeah. So I think we need to, be a, we need to serve, use our gifts, all of those things, and let's focus on generosity of resources because it's an important principle. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, we do need to kind of wrap this conversation up, and I kind of want to end on one, mm-hmm. one note because, Chris, you've been doing this for a long time, and you've seen uh, what people stepping into final, financial generosity, what that does in their lives. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love for you to just unpack whether it's a specific story or just your general impression of, like, what does it look like when followers of Jesus gain a vision for financial generosity and begin to play that out in their lives? Like, how does that impact their lives? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Let's think about it from a corporate point of view. What does it look like for a church to become a truly generous church, a church that really follows the Lord Jesus in this area of generosity and stewardship. We don't have to wonder what it looks like because we have pictures of it in, in the New Testament. You can read Acts chapter 2 and, and learn about a church where, where, where they were not only devoted to teaching and to the breaking of bread and fellowship and prayer, but what does the passage say? They held all things in common, yeah. selling their possessions and sharing with others who had needs. Yeah. Acts chapter 6 uh, there's, a, there's a problem in generosity. The Greek widows are being overlooked right. in the daily distribution of food. And so what do they do? They generously meet the needs of all those people in trouble. And the passage says, the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So, <laughs> That's so crazy. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Because people were generous. That's what happened. Yep. So I just think... Um, when a church really decides we are going to follow Jesus. And when you say area, church, you mean the people. I mean the people. The people yeah, that yeah, is yeah. the church. Yeah. I think amazing things not only happen on the inside of us where that, that, that security and that sense of peace is restored because we're not freaking out about our stuff, mm. but also we get to be a part of a pretty awesome yeah. adventure, and God is doing some stuff out there. And when we catch a vision for that, then, you know, money-wasting habits, you know, the things that we uh, tend to do that are bad stewardship, mm-hmm. that make it impossible for us to be financially generous, when we see a vision for what it could look like mm-hmm. for the people of God I'll take it back to where we started. For the people of God to take the resources of God, use them God's way for God's glory. Yeah. Man, that is a beautiful it picture. It sure is. And I've seen it at Mosaic. Man, we, we are so, so blessed to be able to be a part of a church uh, that has begun to really, really get this and continues to grow in it because the impact that can be made. I mean, we have... Um, the gospel going out all over the world through the Mosaic story. And um, our hope is that will only continue to increase. So, Chris, thank you so much for your wisdom, just lending uh, just your expertise to us as a church. We've grown a lot from uh, having these conversations with you. And so hopefully today it's been helpful. Thank you guys for joining us in our conversation today uh, on Facebook Live. Uh, We're going to continue our conversation on Uh, spiritual disciplines next week. We're going to be talking about uh, gratitude, uh, the the spiritual discipline of gratitude, um, which will be a lot of fun. And uh, and so it's going to be good times. Chris, thanks for being with us. Chris, thank you. And uh, everybody, thank you for being with us. We will catch you next week on Lunch Hour with Renault.